Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove, joined by John Gibson. It is the international break. And as we promised, we're bringing back the Let's Talk About Mini series. And we thought there's only one place to focus on, and that is the season so far. A very disjointed season. Some disappointed at the points tally so far. Some keen to remember where Newcastle United were this time last season and grateful for the eight points on the board. John, we've got a few talking points to get into, but in a sentence or so, just sum up your feelings on the season so far. Basically, everything you just said there, Andrew, Parts of it are good, parts of it are disappointing, hopeful, exasperated, uh, all those things. Because, I mean, the bottom line, the record is 1-5-1. Now, the one at the end, one defeat, that's great. Uh, In seven games, that's great. One win in seven is far from great. And um, the five we've had for the draw, Manchester City, wonderful. Probably the best match by a mile that I've seen this season. Newcastle at the best, leading 3-1, terrific. But we drew with Brighton, we drew with Wolves, we drew with Palace and we drew with Bournemouth. Nobody there are Champions League big hitters. Now, if we'd got two extra points from a couple of those games, we'd be looking a lot different. And back-to-back draws, home to Palace, home to Bournemouth, is a bit dispiriting, no question about that. Now, maybe the the optimist would say, well, drawing is better than losing and it will all yes, click together. Yes, winning is better than drawing. Very true. Do you, Have you seen enough in these draws, though, that you think it will all click together in, in you know, by the time the, the, the season takes that big break for the World Cup, we'll be sitting quite comfortably in, in, in top 10 and looking back on this run of games maybe is the... You know the foundation to to when Newcastle hopefully are going to finish later in the season. I, w- I would like to think that's true. And what we have to do, and I would emphasise, is that we're coming up to the first anniversary of the takeover next month, and we must not lose sight of the fact of the huge, huge, huge strides on every single front this club has made uh, in that year. It's a very short space of time, and we've done magnificently well in laying the foundations for a new Newcastle United. It's just natural that we ought to want to get as much out of squeezing the orange as as we can. Um, I mean, what it's told me is, is what we probably already knew. It's just confirmed things, which is when everybody is fit, Newcastle are good side. When you've got Wilson and Bruno and Maxi all fit and available, and they are three massively key players. They're not just run-of-the-mill players. They're probably the three most influential players Newcastle have got. When those three are out, we're average. When those three are in, we're good. Um, What's that tell you? It tells you there's more work to be done in January, but um, it tells you that the days of watching the bottom of the table, 
and that was only a year ago we were watching the bottom of the table in fact we were at the bottom of the table um, that is massive strides we mustn't lose sight of that but that doesn't stop us being ambitious the owners are ambitious how's ambitious we can be ambitious and say let's push on let's push on it is just those two draws i confidently forecast and i think you did it too in the two matches we've just talked about palace and bournemouth i was convinced we would win i was convinced we would win and under normal circumstances we would but we didn't and and that is a little bit of a, a concern and we didn't i think because there was there was no wilson no maxi and bruno only played in one and was naturally a bit rusty mm, it reaffirms the need to keep building the squad but Absolutely. again it reaffirms the fact that we just need to remember where we were i mean i haven't got it in front of us but how long did it take Newcastle to get eight points last season? Oh, oh yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, but we shouldn't stay still because if we, in the next three games, which aren't easy, Fulham away, not easy, they're three points ahead of us. Brentford at home, they're going well, but you've got a chance. Manchester United away. If we don't win in there, We'll come to double figures for only one win this season. It would be one in ten, and heaven forbid. And I, I'm, I don't want to tempt fate by saying we will win one, because I said we'd beat Palace, and then I said we'd beat Bournemouth. But, you know, if we were sitting with one win out of ten, we would feel twitchy, we would feel disappointed. We've got to avoid that. And we've made it hard for ourselves by not winning against um, Palace and Bournemouth. Now, those listening to this would point out that Newcastle have been very unfortunate with VAR especially sure. against Palace. Um, there was the incident against Wolves as well and in a couple of other examples. Uh, look, I, I get that argument, yes, you know, the Palace one especially, but at the end of the day, there was still a lot of football to be played and Newcastle didn't. We should have beaten win. Palace without VAR. And let us not, um, if we're going to be uh, even-handed here, VAR got us a draw against Bournemouth. Because the penalty was picked up and the referee was sent to the was picked up by VAR uh, the, the and Manchester ball. City as well. Uh, so you know what comes along goes along. Yes, we've had a terrible situation with VAR and I've been sick, but it was ironic on Saturday, wasn't it? That within five minutes of going a goal down, which was stunning, the the, the thing of being a goal down, VAR came to our rescue. So yeah, but I hope we don't sound too negative or two down in the dumps because by jove i remember what i was feeling a year ago we're not down the dumps we're going in the right direction off the field as well as on the field the players have done terrific how's done terrific the owners have done terrific we've just got to push it's the same with everybody it's football isn't it yesterday is gone today's fleeting and what's tomorrow i mean if you look at the sides you've got Chelsea took a just won the um, the European the Champions League, and he ends up few dodgy results and he gets a sack. Look at Leicester City, the great side that we used to hold up there that won the Championship fairy tale, the FA Cup, the Community Shield. All of a sudden they're down the bottom, they're losing every game, and the manager should get the sack. Football can change quickly and we just keep the foot on the accelerator because that's the best way to make certain it doesn't. And on that, and I can totally picture our listeners, some of our listeners screaming at me as I ask this question, but 
you look at the situation at Leicester, mm. you know, Brendan Rodgers clearly got a lot of credit in the bank. Mm. I turn that to, to Eddie Howe at Newcastle United. And again, I will, as I did on Monday in the episode with, with Aaron, you know, just state, I do not believe Eddie Howe was under pressure at all. I believe no, this will it, come good. It would be a disgrace if he was yes. under pressure from what he's but, done to this club. playing devil's advocate, if like you say, John, the next three games Newcastle don't pick up a win, a win does the pressure start to creep up? Does it come from outside the club, outside the fan base more than anything, do you think? Yeah, there's always pressure and there always will be pressure. It's it, The game of management is all about pressure. Uh, and there's no question there would be pressure. A lot would come from outside the club because you'd get a lot of people wanting to, wanting to have a slap at Newcastle would say, one win out of ten, oh, what a disgrace, uh, what a fantasy, they, they're not what they think they are, etc., etc. Ambitious owners will always be ambitious, etc., etc. But I can't see Newcastle collapsing in the way Leicester have collapsed at all. Because while I'm very concerned about one win out of seven, it's one defeat out of seven, and it happened in the 98th minute at Liverpool. So, um, But, you know, it's a very thin line between a draw... Becoming a win, but a draw also becoming a defeat. And um, there is that situation. But no, for goodness sake, let's not go down the road where we've been uh, waving the flag. I mean, we're coming up... The anniversary of one-year takeover is not next month. Look how far we've come in that time. It's absolutely enormous. And I think I think the owners and how and the players deserve the respect for us to say, yes, we're disappointed. So we should be. Eddie Howe will. You get and the players will, but let's not sort of make it a hanging offence. You get the feeling that um, Eddie Howe will, will kind of relish that. Because when you hear him speak, he knows that it hasn't gone quite a plan. He is disappointed in the results so far. And and you definitely get the feeling that that's just going to add motivation to his to his day job. And he's going he's gonna to use that as a tool to, yeah, to well, say, become yes. right. I hope he does, but I don't think he'll actually relish it, but he'd relish Newcastle having won four and, and, and have one defeat. Um, you're not going to relish pressure. You're, I know what you mean. You're absolutely right. He will get his teeth into handling that because that is something he's had to do all his career at Bournemouth and when he first come to Newcastle. Um, but he'd rather be fighting where he wants to be fighting, which is much higher up the table. And It's small measures, isn't it? Some of those draws... I've talked about, you know, could have easily been wins, and when you think of the opposition, they ought to have been, but they could have easily been defeats um, as well because it's, it's a short, short measure. Well, that's football, isn't it? But you mentioned there the anniversary of the takeover coming up. Uh, big, big uh, display plan for that Brentford game. War flags will be back, of course, there. Uh, chose Didn't to... we miss them against Bournemouth? Well, it, it was, we did. We, we had to show respect, and I fully understand that, and I'm fully supportive of that. But when we were struggling, and by the way, that was our worst display of the season. We played far too one-paced. We played in front of their back four. We never got round the back. Worse than Brighton? I think it was. Brighton was away, and, and this was at home. And I thought we were very, very poor the whole game. We played in front of them. We didn't have a plan B. I mean, they've let in all the goals they've let in this season. They'll chuck you the ball, and as long as you're going to play in front of their back five... They're going to be more nappy. You can tick, tap it along round there. That's no problem to us. And, and, and it was very, very, very disappointing. And the trouble was 
the the crowd, not the crowd themselves, but the the lack of flags, the lack of atmosphere. I felt it sitting there. I I didn't appreciate what Newcastle's become as much as when we didn't have it on Saturday. Yeah, it was it was very flat. But I think for was flat, understandable reasons. Yes, yes. But one of the things that I think we've definitely experienced this season and, and with the, the, the air anniversary coming up of the takeover is going into games believing Newcastle are at the very least going to give it a good go whereas previously that, that's why we get disappointed isn't it well, because it is. we, because but it's we, a nice we, feeling we to, to walk it up is. the stadium it and is. think and it is. we don't fear it anybody is. but and there's always a but we've got a knock on and we've got the back virtually sorted we've bought a whole defence uh, when you think we've bought uh, Pope and Trippier, Botman, Byrne, Target, that's a back four and a goalkeeper. We've bought a whole defence. That's fine. It's going forward that's not quite so fine. Um, and there, I whispered, having spent uh, £85 million on two centre forwards, we still need a striker. Uh, why do I say that? Because Isaac is not an orthodox through the middle, centre forward, holds the ball up, runs the channel. He doesn't play that way. Um, and he can be well accommodated elsewhere on the park, slightly wide, coming in. Wilson can do that job. Wilson's not always going to be there. Just on that then, because this is one of the things that has got me scratching my head, because we saw it with Wood and we've seen it with Isaac, and again, I mentioned it on Monday in, in, in the episode with Aaron, why haven't Newcastle then gone out and got a like-for-like like replacement? I know it's easier said than done, but why haven't they gone out and got a like-for-like like like replacement of Callum Wilson, who can just come in and fit into that system when he's out I injured? Follow, I follow that. The theory is absolutely brilliant because that's what they ought to have done. In a way, they thought they were doing it with Wood. He's nothing like because he hasn't got the pace and he doesn't win the chance, but he is an orthodox through the middle centre-forward and Wilson's an orthodox through the middle centre-forward. Only twice as good. Uh, but totally different styles. Isaac isn't. Um, no, well, you're not going to get literally a replica unless you... You're not, but like, for instance, if you take, and I know the levels are different, but if you take someone like Dwight Gale, for example, out of the... the, the the three strikers that Newcastle have used, and yes, Dwight Gale was used fittingly. He, when you look at Wood, Isaac, and Gale, in my opinion, he is as close to Wilson in terms of fitting that system that Newcastle are playing week in, week out, in terms of you know running the channels, being on the last man. Wood needs the ball in the air. Isaac looks much more comfortable coming out from the wide. And it just, it, it's just one of those things that I can't quite get my head around why... Mm. You, but you're not at least why you're not changing the system maybe to play to their strengths yeah uh, I think first of all on systems uh, Howe is very much a back four not a five he'll occasionally go to that he's very much a solitary striker through the middle in two wide wingers if you like uh, rather than two strikers and one guy out wide which is what Burnley played with with Wood most of the time uh, the trouble is I think trying to get an exact replica style-wise to Wilson, is you can find them, but they're not willing to sit on the bench and wait for Wilson to get injured. They want to come and play in the team. Now, the only chance you've got of a replica sitting on the bench and waiting for Wilson to get injured is if he's about 19. Um, because he'll think, 
you know, that's fine. I'm learning the game. I've come to a big club, not having been at a club as big as this. Um, and I'll be the natural successor and I won't have to wait too long because this guy's 30 and he's injury prone so I'm, I'm eventually going to get in you can sell the idea to him but if you're going to get a ready made one who's as good as Wilson or plays exactly like Wilson and is anywhere from his mid 20s upwards and you say dum 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 he's going to say what Pope said when he come Pope said Am I going to start in the first team? Because I'm not coming if I'm not, because of guitar and everything else. I'm a first team. Yes, you are. This guy says, am I going to start in the first team? You say, well, no, you're not. Callum Wilson weighs when he's fit. You will get in when he's not. you say, thanks very much. I'll stay where I am, wait for somebody else to come. Does that suggest then you think when Wilson and Isaac are fit, they will play together? Absolutely, but not not in tandem as a pair. Um, he, Isaac will, for me play out wide uh, and will replace Almirin or Maxi and you would think it would be Almirin because of Maxi's potential to score more more potential of end product than Maxi but both don't score enough but no I would I would expect them to play out in a three on out wide coming in and be to a certain extent what we've been looking for a wide player who can finish and he can't finish. We've only got to look at Liverpool to realise that and how well he took the penalty to know that he can finish. Mm. And just on Wilson, we did one of our Let's Talk About episodes on Callum Wilson and mm. you sung his praises. And I think everyone feels the same. If we could yeah. just keep fit, oh, he'd oh, be oh. in that England squad and he would have so many more goals uh, in, in the Premier League and, and for Newcastle. How... Devastated were you to see him or to, to to get the news after that Man City game that it was an injury and it was going to keep him out for? And it seems a bit longer than we expected yeah, as well. Yeah, well, he doesn't come back quick. He can't come back quick. When you've got a regular problem with hamstrings, or you can't bring him back quick. You're going to knock him further back. You've got to be show a lot of caution with a player like Wilson. I was devastated. I mean, I'd kept trumpeting, and I'm sure every Newcastle fan, I'm not saying I've got insight, and of course not, everybody can see it. But I kept trumpeting, and he's going to be missing for a big chunk of this season, which is why I was a bit uh, dischuffed that I hadn't got a centre-forward at that stage. Um, but I didn't expect him to go after about three games, which is which he did. And, you know, and that was, oh no, please, we can't believe it. Especially because he scored such a lovely goal as well against well, City. He will. We saw what he can Goals do. per game record will always be good. He's a quality, quality, quality striker. But I tell you what, let's knock on the head that he's got any chance of getting in the England World Cup squad. Yeah, it's probably passed him by, hasn't it? Wait, well, passed him by twice. I mean, if you're Southgate, would you take a risk on a tournament that's going to last X number of weeks that he'll stay fit for the whole tournament? He could go down injured in the third day of training and then you have a striker down. When, it's not like at a club level, we've got no alternative to Wilson, so we've got to go along that particular route. England have. I'm not saying they're as good as him when when he's fit and firing, but England have loads of alternatives. And therefore, the idea of Southgate taking a risk on Wilson to to stay fit the whole of the World Cup, no. And plus, from a Newcastle point of view, that's probably music well, we to the ears of fans, to exactly. Because he would inevitably get injured out there. How, in, in the games that we, we, we've seen Newcastle you know, draw, 
And I'm thinking, especially this Bournemouth game, when you look at the bench, it's a rather depressing scenario. It's I know, a light bench. Yeah, Ellie Anderson picked up a knock. Um, but then you have Chris Wood and, you know, he puts his heart and soul into it. But I don't think anyone's that, you know, I don't think the opposition look at him and go, okay, if he comes off the bench, we're going to get a bit rattled. You know, it, with with not being able to have someone like Callum Wilson on it, you know, Alan St. Mark, there's, there's, no, there's nothing on that bench when those players are injured. No. Because that's that's what we were saying, Andrew, the, right at the at the top of the programme. When you've got your three big hitters out, Wilson, um, Maxi, uh, Bruno, um, what it means is that your strong bench actually start. They start in place of them, so your bench is as thin as it's possible to be. And if those draws have told us anything, because this club's making rapid strides, it tells us do we wait to the summer or do we try because january is always a bad time to buy although we bought brilliantly in our first january after but we had to to see off relegation but we bought a lot and bought well uh, or do we get players now we need another striker for certain we need a winger we need a midfield creator because we haven't touched on that. Bruno's fabulous, but and we needn't go down that road. But Willick and 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 Longstaff are much of a muchness. They are not a locksmith that's going to unpick the lock. How important is John Joe Shelby to Newcastle United? Is it a case that you always say, you know, if you want to be yeah, this great player, then you get injured for a few months and everyone everyone remembers how player, good? Yeah, that's absolutely true. That is absolutely but true. But is, is, is there some, you know, truth in in it that Newcastle are, are really missing them to unlock these games where the, the teams maybe sit deep and frustrate Newcastle? At his best, yes. But at his best, Miggy can play, as you know. At his best, Maxi can play. At his best, Shelby can play. It's how often are at the best. And the great players are at it eight times out of ten. The poor players have a great game, one and six. And I put Shelby, right now, Shelby be a huge help when Bruno's been injured, etc., etc. But he's been here a long time. He hasn't shot us to the stars. And I know he was playing in a poor side initially. He is an advantage. But if he was here and everybody else is fit in midfield, we still need a midfield creator that doesn't look for the 60-yard Hollywood passes all the time and and can finish. Would you play Madison or would you play Shelby? Madison, by a million miles every day, creates them and scores them. That's who we should get in January. Now, if we get him in January, I'd be sitting on cloud nine because he is the sort of player in mid... I st- I'd still want a forward, by the way, but I'd be sitting on cloud nine. He's a proper midfielder. It sounds like your Christmas list to Santa Claus might might read something on the lines of uh, please postpone for uh, six days and, and, and lend to Newcastle United with a list of players. You're expecting a busy January by the sounds of it. I would wish for there to be a busy January. We don't need a busy January to starve off any problems uh, like we had last January when we would have gone down without a busy January. But they would just see this season out in the sort of position we're in now, 10 or 11, and see this season out and then go in the summer and go rat-a-tat, or do we say, no, we've wasted one more uh, transfer window if we do that. We don't want to waste a transfer window. Let's pop on. Maybe you get people like Madison. It's all about timing. 
And it's all about Leicester. If Leicester get rid of Rodgers, getting you Manja in and take off, your chances of getting Madison in January will be nil. But it may... I'm just using him as an example because he would be my perfect midfield buy. If I could get one guy in midfield, I would take Madison. It's yeah. all a matter of opinion, but that would be my choice. Before we finish on some quick fire questions for you, John, just a reminder to you guys listening to please remember to follow the podcast. It's totally free to do. Just means with every new episode we upload, you'll get a notification to say it's ready to listen or download and leave us a rating and review. And we'll have a new episode of Gibbo's Corner coming out this weekend where John lists his top 17, is it? 17, as many as that. Top 17 Newcastle United flops from down the years. So this is going to be a really interesting one. So Did, did I hear some fans shout, why is there only 17? <laughs> yes, yes, potentially. I'm, I'm sure we could go up to possibly 30 or even more. Um, look out for that one dropping on Sunday. So, John, some quick fire questions to finish off then. Okay. Who have you been most impressed with in terms of on the pitch? What a brilliant, brilliant question. Trippier, Bruno. Um, Probably Bruno because it's more difficult where he come from. Trippier knew the game here, but Trippier's wonderful. Bruno's wonderful. No Nick Pope? Yes, but then again, how long were... I'm adding to the list instead of trying to reduce it. Nick Pope, absolutely. But when you think... Nick Pope come from Burnley. Trippier is English. He'd had the, the, the big time at Spurs, etc. Bruno was plucked from nowhere, come here, could hardly speak a language, hit the ground running, is an absolute fan favourite. His impact has been enormous. So I'd probably have to go for him and be thrilled that we got. By the way, how did we get Bruno and Trippier when we're bottom of the league and going nowhere fast? What a wonderful accolade to to, to say to them, top for all the faith you showed us. It's easier to come to us now. They come in the bad days. Room for improvement. Who's the one you want to see? Just step it up slightly. Oh, there's there's massive room for improvement on so many. Um, just because you're sitting opposite with me, I'll say Miggy, because there is room for improvement there, but there's room for improvement in a different way of Maxi. And I, I would say Miggy, but I think Miggy gives you everything he's got. Wood gives you everything he's got. He just hasn't got enough, but he gives you everything he's got. Maxi could be a lot, lot, lot more consistent, and I would. that's what I want to see. I think we've seen an improvement in, in Al- Almiron. The worry is how much more he's got to go. For me, the biggest improvement has to come in Joe Willick. Without a shadow of doubt. I mean, you can you can go on to, to so many of them. I mean, Murphy is fallen by the wayside. I mean, poor, poor, poor. Uh, will have to go. Willick isn't anything like the £25 million player that we bought. We need a, a desperate improvement there. Um, yeah, so Willick, Almirin, Maxi only four levels higher than the others. Consistency's his problem. But yes, yeah. Best game so far? Whew, um, that's great. Uh, Man City, if you take it for excitement. And, and I mean... They are beaten uh, champions four times out the last five. We led them three one and deservedly so. 
and, and battled them all away. Have you ever seen Kyle Walker, who's got pace to burn, ever be on toast and terrified the way he was against Maxi in that game? I mean, Mr. Supercool, I'm just taking him as an, as an example, have you ever seen the game bypass De Bruyne? So I'm not talking about the last half hour, I'm talking about the first hour uh, so much. Um, our performance that day was terrific and, and was a build-up on how good we are because I think last season's best performance was about the last home game, Arsenal. So, you know, that is a sort of standard that we've got to aim for as regularly as we can. The biggest disappointing result is Bournemouth. Yes. The, the biggest disappointment would be losing to Liverpool in the 98th minute but because it was undeserved. But Bournemouth... Bournemouth was worse than Palace. We, we were placid, we played in front of them, we totally lacked ideas, we totally lacked the plan B. Uh, no penetration from the wings, no penetration from midfield. Isaac is fi was finding out what it's like to play against mass defences in the Premier League when he's much more uh, potent away from home, galloping into space on the counter-attack. Biggest frustration, this might be something on the pitch, Wilson getting injured, the points tally overall, what what springs to mind, VAR potentially? Yeah, VAR, VAR potentially, but Wilson's the biggest frustration because he's because there is so much there, it, you know, it's like when you're a little boy and you, you know, you're in the schoolyard and you've got a, a big sandwich and you enjoy it, but that's the last of your pennies gone and you're at the tuck shop window and you're looking in with your face pressed against it, but you can do nothing about it. You see what you can't have. I see what I can't have when I look at Wilson sitting in the stand not far from me. Um, he's the biggest frustration, not his, of his own making, bless him, but he, he's frustrated. I'm going to finish on a high. Okay? Good, good. That's a way to I'm going to finish on a high. What are you most looking forward to in the next few weeks before the break for the World Cup? That's, that's, I'm looking for us to put, I was almost going to say put right or wrong, but it's not a wrong 1-5-1. One, one. It's just not as good as it should be. Um, I'm looking for us to take three points out of Fulham, take three points out of Brentford and let Mitrovic and Tony make their own way back south. I'm sure, yeah, okay. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, optimism is uh, is an abundance there. Yes, yes, it is optimism. But, but you know... When, Why not? Why not? We're, we're close to being able to... There's no question we can do that. Just because we didn't do it against Palace and Bournemouth doesn't say we can't against Fulham and Brentford. You wouldn't be staggered if they did it. You wouldn't be staggered if they didn't either. But you wouldn't be staggered if they did it. So let's be positive. This Newcastle side is better than results show. Yeah, 100%. And we, of course, will be bringing you podcasts throughout that period leading up to the World Cup. Thank you very much for tuning in. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep up date with all the latest Newcastle United news and look out for the next episode of Give Us Corner dropping on Sunday. <laughs>